You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our second installment of the 2018 Countdown to Camp series. For those wondering, we are only 44 days away from the first practice of training camp, and side note, I'm going to be there, and I hope you will too. In this episode, we're going to take a comprehensive look at the entire Bears secondary, a unit that was the strength of the defense a year ago, only allowing one 100-yard receiver all season, which was Antonio Brown ranked 7th in passing yards allowed, 5th in touchdowns allowed. So how can the secondary take the next step in 2018? We're going to explain that and just so much more. I'm Harold Swaldewitt, and we have a full house today as I'm joined by three of my Bears brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, and Chris Bacher here with me. Brandon, I want to know, how's your week been? Week's been good. Uh, no complaints. It's been uh, nice weather out, nice and warm, except for this morning. It was 44 degrees here in Northwest Indiana. But uh, aside from this morning, it's been real nice weather and just no complaints at all. There we go. It's the summertime. Everyone's feeling good. Nick, today was your last day of work for your school year. How does it feel to have a year under your belt? Yeah, it was a uh, it was a great year. Last full day. Tomorrow we go to work, but we just get breakfast, and then we go right back home. So we get paid to go eat breakfast. But it was a it was a great year working with kids, and uh, can't wait to do it next year. But I'm glad we have this time off. Sounds like a sweet gig. I'm sorry I can't really give you the same opportunity to get paid to eat some breakfast, but uh, I am sure you forgive me. Uh, oh yeah, awesome. And Chris, I know you're getting married soon. Uh, another person on our staff, Devonte Tidwell, he just got married. You're getting married. Are you excited? It's a big step. I- I am excited. It will be a big step this Saturday. Uh, just wow. been kind of hectic getting uh, getting ready for it. So it's nice to take a little break and talk some Bears football. There you go. Well, congratulations beforehand. I'm still a little upset. I didn't get an invite in the mail, but I'm <laughs> assuming. Hey, if you want to fly out to California, I'll send you that invite. Nick gets free airfare, so maybe you should have invited Nick. But that's okay. I'm sure Nick wouldn't mind an excuse to go to California. But, guys, we have a ton to get into, so we're going to kind of keep the small talk a little bit brief to open the show because we have to break down both the safety and corner positions. But before we do, we have something else on our ta- on, on, on our plate, and that is we need to tell fellow Bears fans about some of the latest news coming from Bears minicamp. You know, we're recording this on Wednesday. It's only the second day of the mandatory minicamp this week, so I know it's not completely over, but I think it's at least a good portion or a good point to share some of our at least top takeaways. And, Nick, I know you've been in and out with, uh, you know, work, but anything you want to share with listeners? Um, You know, I read actually the Athletics um, article uh, with Kevin Fishbane, and I liked what he I heard from uh, Bryce Callahan. According, I mean, obviously this is a secondary podcast, but I like what I've heard from him in that aspect, and just the offense in general. That the defensive players are really recognizing that this is a totally, completely new offense, and it's going to actually score points in the second half. So I'm happy to hear that. You know, the offense is making strides. The defense is looking, you know, great and you know, continue that continuity on that back end, especially with uh, the secondary. But yeah, it's a lot of positivity happening around training camp right now or there, OTAs. There yeah, no, exactly. There's, I wish training camp, geez. Yeah. I mean, 
only 44 days away, but I wish it was like, you know, tomorrow or today. That would have been great. I want to stick with the defense real quick. I want to hear something from Aaron Lynch because he met with the media uh, in front of them yesterday. And it's like one of the first times I actually get to hear from Aaron Lynch since he's uh, came here to Chicago. And the two, uh, you know, adverbs, not adverbs, adjectives that I want to describe him were angry and passionate. And he talked about, you know, facing the 49ers and how he wants to go ahead and whoop them. And he also talked about how his goal is to win, and I quote, every damn game this season. So just to see the passion that he comes out with, uh, he, you know, he talks about uh, the rotation. He says he doesn't even care where he's at in rotation. He just wants to go out there and make plays. He hopes to win the starting job opposite of, of course, um, Leonard Floyd, but he's still okay with assuming a smaller role if that's what the case may be. But just the anger, the passion, the determination you can see from him. There's a reason why I think the Bears are high on him, Fangio's high on him, and he kind of showed a little bit of that yesterday. Uh, Brandon, uh, over to you. I think it's funny how Tariq Cohen gets... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. It's up there at the podium, and he has like these kind of sh- quick, short answers, but you can kind of tell on his face and his like expressions that he just wants to be like, the offense is awesome because of this, 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 and this, but he can't, you know, give everything away. So I just think that's really cool how awesome and excited he is. Uh, and especially because he was talking about how Taylor Gabriel ran 24 miles an hour at practice, which apparently still is not faster than Tariq Cohen. <laughs> um, but I just think that it's, it's awesome. That he just he looks like he just wants to burst out with everything that the offense is doing, which has me really, really excited for uh, what, what the season has to come. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, two human beings who can get like a speeding ticket in a school zone. But <laughs> when Tariq Cohen, I have something here mentioned too. You know, you talked about it. He's just like, it's, he's gushing with uh, confidence, uh, excitement about the potential of this offense. And something I really liked is he mentioned that he's been able to play pretty much every position. He mentioned playing outside receiver, slot receiver, running back. And he says that's kind of common for not just him, but a lot of the players on this offense right now. They're getting them kind of well-versed in multiple positions, which, of course, is going to allow the Bears, once we get into the season, to put these players in prime positions and favorable matchups to go out there and make plays. And something else I like is a quote that he says, uh, you know, talked about playing all these different positions. He says, this feels like an offense for me. And that's where I'm happy he feels like he belongs. And when he feels like he belongs in his system, he's going to play with higher confidence. And when you do, I mean, he's not going to second-guess himself on the field i think you're going to see even more explosive plays from Tariq cohen chris over to you uh, biggest takeaway from minicamp thus far um i was i actually saw a tweet from arthur arkush today and he said um he was just talking about the speed of the offense and how they look so much faster than they did last year and um i was just gonna follow that up with i love the fact that Tariq cohen was talking about how they're you know, playing every single person is playing, you know, every position on the field because with all that speed that they have, they can create mismatches with linebackers or maybe bigger corners, safeties. And that's something we rarely saw with Dow Loggins. So it's nice to see that there's, there's finally an offensive coordinator and a head coach that are devoted to getting mismatches on the field. Yeah, exactly. It's huge. And then Mitch, he spoke with the media a couple times today, first in front of the Bears media, and then secondly, over on NFL Network. And a theme that I just want to kind of echo over to Bears fans is no matter what question 
uh, Trubisky has been asked. He just says, you know, well, after I go talk to coach, you know, that being coach Nagy, uh, and then just that he references that for every answer. And just to hear that open communication to me, uh, it's just a great sign for things to come. I talked about it as soon as we hired coach that, his relationship with Trubisky is going to be imperative and communication is going to be a very important aspect. And it just seems like they have such an open relation, no open relationship, an open communication within their relationship. So for me, that's a great sign. And speaking of a great signs, Trubisky said he was told by coach that the offense is quote ahead of schedule. So they're already picking up this offense faster than anticipated, which of course is going to allow them to grow and even do more things uh, in training camp preseason than maybe even Coach Nagy expected. That's exciting, and I hope that does excite you. And Leno Jr., you talked about the energy inside of Hallis Hall, how it he doesn't know, he can't really put his thumb on it, but it just feels different. It feels real that this new buzz, this new energy, this new breath of fresh air that's been put into this whole organization. So things that we've heard all offseason, but just hearing it come from the players, uh, just the smiles on their faces, of course, Big things, no doubt about it. All right, guys, anything else about minicamp that you want to share before we move on? I know we have a ton of players to talk about today. Real quick, I just wanted to mention the Zach Miller thing and how cool that was and how uh, that's the type of thing that, you know, other players see and they'll 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 take notice might help with maybe a free agent or two, you know, knowing that this is a first class organization that takes care of their players. Yeah, and for those wondering what the Zach Miller situation is, just in case you're not caught up on the news, uh, the Bears signed him to a one-year deal to the veteran minimum. Uh, even though he's not expected to play this year, he's already on the physically unable to to perform list, so he doesn't take a roster spot. But additionally, uh, Miller talked to the media yesterday. He said how he's going to kind of look at this year. Of course, it's a focus on rehab, uh, take it one step at a time, but he's really excited for this opportunity to kind of see how it is to be a coach. He's still going to be very active in the tight end room. And in many ways, Zach Miller is just going to be an extra coach for the Bears this season, especially for the tight end. So yes, good point there, Chris, to bring that up. So guys, up next, we're going to begin our secondary preview with a discussion on every safety on this Bears roster. But first, let's go ahead and just take a quick timeout and tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phones, our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. You know, personally, I can be anywhere, and just within a few tabs, instantly find some seats. Earlier today, I was just looking at SeatGeek for tickets for the Bears game down in Miami on October 14th, a game that you know Nick's going to, I'm going to, Brandon's going to, as well as we're going to be joined by 27 other Bears fans down there in Miami. And if you're looking to join us, either meet us you know, outside the stadium uh, during the game or sometime in Miami throughout that weekend, definitely check out SeatGeek for some tickets because they sell plenty of amazing deals and it's super budget-friendly, a little bit more so than Chicago. So if you're looking for a road trip, I know Bears fans, we travel well. Uh, we have a group of 27 Bears fans plus ourselves. We'd love to have you included as well. Even if you can't sit exactly where we're at, we'd love to meet you there. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. 
All righty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm Errol Slidowit. I'm joined by three of my Bears brothers. We have Brandon, we have Nick, and Chris. And we just talked about minicamp, and now we're going to set our sights on the Bears secondary. And we're going to go ahead and begin with a discussion on the safeties. And fellas, I believe it's appropriate to begin what I'm going to call a decent, dare I say, dynamic duo in Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. But in all seriousness, you know, it's comforting heading into training camp, knowing who the starters are going to be in the back end of this Bears defense. You know, this time a year ago, we knew Quentin Demps was going to be a starter. And now is it. There are a ton of question marks at the position. So talk about a complete 180 in a relatively short period of time. So guys, Adrian Amos is currently on a contract year. He entered last season with zero interceptions, seven passes defense, one forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. But last year, in one season, and this is only in 10 starts, mind you, he had one interception, which is at pick six in Baltimore, three passes defense, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery to go along with a career-high 60 tackles. Keep in mind, like I said, only 10 starts to put up those numbers. Nick, I want to go to you first. Uh, you know, Adrian Namus. Contract year, uh, what does he have to do to earn himself a new contract, number one? And what are maybe reasonable expectations for the safety? So he has to do a lot what he did last year, and I thought he he played well reading the run and was one of the first players ever in the pile whenever um, he had to come up from his safety spot down to you know stop a run in the backfield. But he beats blockers, uh, makes uh, great stops on screens, knows his assignments. That's what I really noticed this year as opposed to maybe two years ago. Adrian Amos really looked like he knew – what his assignments were in the defense and had, you know, chemistry with his partner, Eddie Jackson back there, but he played a lot quicker, was able to diagnose those plays. But for me, in order for him to really earn that contract extension and be considered one of the better safeties in the league, um, he did a good job at mitigating plays from gaining large yardage, but he needs to learn to stop plays altogether. Um, Only had three passes defended. You know, I think, you know, with having another year under his belt with Vic Fangio, having Eddie Jackson by his side, having that continuity with his corners, he'll be that much faster to recognize plays, even though he did a better job this season. But, and again, he only has one career interception. You want to see more. You want to see him actually be a playmaker, an impactful player. He was a good safety. I'm not going to consider him one of the best ones yet. He still has to do a little bit more for me to be, to consider to be that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, of course, contract years, players tend to play, you know, a little bit more hungrier, a little bit more aggressive, uh, Check out Kyle Fuller. We'll talk about him in just a little bit. But yeah, last season, he lost his job to Quentin Demps. And then he kind of saw a new fire, a little bit new life from AJ Namus. I put together that strong season. I think he was PFF's, what, second highest graded safety. For whatever that is worth, you have to take those grades with a grain of salt. But uh, Brandon, I want to go to you first. Uh, I want to know what are your thoughts on him entering now his fourth season in the NFL? And additionally, uh, where's your confidence level in him? Do you f- any fear any regression whatsoever? Uh, I do, because I think that that's what's going to cost him uh, the contract extension. He can't really have a dip in his play if he wants to earn that extension. I mean, like like Nick said, he has to be able to continue to grow and be from uh, the player that he was when Quentin Demps took his spot. Uh, so if he takes a dip and play, like he's not going to get that contract extension. But I do want to counter Nick's point, and I think I, uh, I'm confident in saying that you know, like you said, PFF had him ranked as the second best safety in the league, and Bleach Report had him as a a first team All Pro uh, at the position. And I think that he's he's not getting the credit that I think he deserves. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, 
Getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Uh, Nick talked about how he's only had three passes defense. And he's only got one career interception, but that could also be because teams aren't throwing the ball necessarily his way all that frequently. Uh, I mean, they, they're not necessarily picking on Eddie Jackson uh, either as much as they were. And I think that's why he got that interception in week six against Baltimore, because they were looking more towards him and Kyle Fuller's side rather than Eddie Jackson, the rookie. Uh, so you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt as well. I think it's not so much that uh, he's not making the play, making the plays when they're there, uh, because like Nick said, he's, he's stopping the plays short of where they should be. He plays downhill very well. Uh, but as far as being able to get in there and break up passes to uh, to that point, he's not necessarily getting the looks uh, because he's more that downhill safety. Sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Chris, I want to go over to you. Anything else on Adrian Amos that you want to make sure Bears fans know heading into training camp? I just think with Amos, you you kind of know what you're going to get with him. He's not going to blow very many coverages. He's not going to, but he's at the same time, he's not going to gamble and get a lot of uh, passes defensed or uh, interceptions as a result. And so I just, I'd like to see a little bit of an, uh, an uptick of his production as far as interceptions and passive defense. All right, guys, let's move on to his uh, counterpart. We have Eddie Jackson. You know, at this time a year ago in our countdown and camp series, I had him labeled as a dark horse candidate to earn a starting role. Now he's a clear cut starter and one of the difference makers on the defense. You know, last season, Jackson, he had 53 tackles, two interceptions, six passes, defense, a forced fumble. And he's someone who's always in a prime position with the ball on the ground. He had three fumble recoveries. Uh, Nick, over to you with Eddie Jackson. Uh, one area he still needs to improve on, in your opinion. One area that he needs to improve on, and I rewatched every single game and watched the secondary. What I noticed from Eddie Jackson, um, when he's coming up to make a stop in the run or a short pass, he needs to be decisive. I, I saw two plays where either he didn't break down and then he completely whips on a tackle. Then the exact opposite happens. He breaks down, and then a receiver just kind of runs by him. So he needs to be decisive in whatever decision he's going to make based off the situation, whether it's run, pass, short pass, whatever it may be. Just needs to be decisive with um, whatever you know response that he makes. And then always be on the attack. Uh, think back to the play against the Saints where it's a deep ball, and Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson both go up. Nobody makes a play in this deep ball. It ends up uh, the receiver makes a 50-something yard catch, and then you go back to the Lions game. Um, second Lions game, Marvin Jones makes a great catch over Eddie Jackson because he's waiting for the, the play to happen. Eddie Jackson just needs to be on the attack because that's what he's naturally good at. I just want to see him take that step in year two. Yeah, good stuff there. And I think with Eddie Jackson, expectations are pretty high for a second-year pro out of Alabama, especially given his draft pick. But again, uh, he was coming in with an injury. At this point, a year ago, he wasn't even able to put in a full OTAs because he was still rehabbing from injury. But that's different. He now has a full season under his belt. He's going through the entirety of the offseason program here in Chicago. So a jump is expected. And Jackson said of his year two, and I quote, it's very different. You get to know the schemes better. You learn how to break down film better. And you really have that knowledge of the game, especially after playing as a rookie. I'm ready to come back and work, and I am really excited for the season. Uh, Chris, I want to go over to you. Uh, I want to know your personal confidence level in Jackson heading into year two, and what should Bears fans expect from the safety this year in his sophomore season? I'm very confident in Eddie Jackson. I think he can have a big year. Like you just said, he, he didn't play his entire senior year at Alabama, so he had an entire year off after breaking his leg, and 
you know, he was new to the scheme, although Alabama secondary members are very well coached by uh, Nick Saban. Um, but it was everything was new to him as far as verbiage goes. And so I and he wasn't a starter. I mean, he he uh, he gained that role in training camp late in training camp, I believe. So it'll be nice to see him really uh, with a full year under his belt and confident that he knows where he's going to be at. And I think Bears fans should have high expectations of him because he has high expectations of himself. So why should fans be any different? They should be uh, confident with uh, Eddie Jackson back there. Confidence, Bears, safety. Those words usually don't come together <laughs> in the same sentence. I feel like I'm living in like a dream world right now. Uh, Brandon, Adrian Amos, Eddie Jackson combined. Best safety duo in our lifetime for the Bears back there, at least on paper besides maybe Mike Brown, Chris Harris. Yeah, I think so, because uh, the way you started that, I was going to say, well, what about Mike Brown? But you beat me to it. So, yeah, I think this is, this is definitely a good number two uh, to put on that list. Well, would you rather have this duo or let's go with Major Wright, Chris Conte? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, but real quick, Eddie Jackson, be anything else you want to add on him that we haven't got to? I just want to continue to echo the theme. It seems like uh, I mean, a lot of you guys are talking about the weaknesses as far as decision-making, like Nick said, uh, inexperience, things of that nature. Uh, it's, I think once he slows the game down, that decision-making is going to get better. He's going to be able to uh, track the offense a little bit better, find out where he exactly needs to be and as far as when he drops back into zone. And I think that once he slows the game down, looks to take more time, something that you guys talked about as well, it's, it's just all going to fall uh, perfectly, I think, for Eddie Jackson as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, Nick, you want to add something here real quick? Yes, just uh, going back and watching the film, obviously he split the they played those two high safeties, but Eddie Jackson was so good last season at protect, protecting the boundaries. Um, Think about all the plays he made alongside the sidelines, having that forced fumble against A.J. Green. There was a third and 11 play against the first game of the Packers. Dislodges the ball by giving him a big hit. He also does that um, against the Ravens, um, having the pick that gets, uh, you know, intercepted by, oh, I'm sorry, not the Ravens. It was the Ravens for Bryce Callahan's interception. Yeah. He's a guy that can really cover a lot of ground, and that's where he really excels at. So look for that in 2018 to even be that much better because he just knows his defense and is being able to recognize offensive plays. And again, he has that one uncanny ability that you cannot coach. Uh, you can't really practice it. It's just an innate instinct, and he's around the football when it's on the ground. Three fumble recoveries as a rookie. I expect that number to remain relatively the same if the Bears are forcing those fumbles. Eddie Jackson will be right there to scoop it up. But guys, let's go ahead and move on from these safeties, and let's begin uh, with their backups now. And let's talk about some guys who have been here for quite some time, those being Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston Carson, and DeAndre Hall. You know, Deion Bush... I didn't get a ton of action last year. Uh, the year before, he was on the field towards the end of the year, but he looked very lost. Um, but last week, we talked about Coach Fangio meeting with the me uh, talking with the media, and he gave him some unsolicited praise, saying he's actually looking pretty good in these OTAs. And then you have DHC. You know, at this point in his career, I think he's lived up to proper expectations for a sixth-round pick, right? Uh, he's a quality special teams contributor. He played on 46% of the special team snaps last year, which was seventh most on the team. And year before that, he was on a practice squad. So he's someone where he's kind of like where he should be right now. And DeAndre Hall, I mean... The biggest thing Hall's done in terms of headlines was that time he got tased outside the nightclub. That's the biggest thing that he's known for right now, which is it's very unfortunate. And I had this in my notes last year, which, again, is very unfortunate. But two years in a row, he ended up on IR, one with uh, an ankle injury. Last year, it was a hamstring. He did return, but he just saw super limited actions. We don't know too much about him right now. But one thing that all three of these players have in common, they are all 2016 Ryan Drake 
uh, Ryan Bay's draft picks. Now they're entering their third seasons, and you have to believe that the coaching staff needs to see growth in these players if they're going to remain on the roster, even with those two starters in place. So, guys, I don't know, out of those three, in your opinion, whose seat is the hottest, and which one do you have the most confidence in if thrusted into extended playing time on defense? Chris, you're getting married on Saturday, so you're going to go first. Uh, it's funny that you asked that because about a week and a half ago, I might not, I might have put Dion Bush as the one I was least confident in, and then Vic Fangio goes out there and you know talks about how he's having a good, good uh, off season uh, so far up to this point, and so you know I'm actually put him at the top of the list. Um, I'm going to put DeAndre Houston Carson at number two and then DeAndre Hall at number three just because um I do think uh Bush can if he can learn how to play faster he he did show some of that explosiveness um throughout his you know college career and a little bit in the preseason so I think his third year in the scheme maybe he can take that step and at least be a solid depth piece he has a little bit more uh history with a special teams unit although nobody has history with chris Tabor anymore are sure. coming into the new so i think that's good for all three of them is that they can all uh make a good impression on this new uh special teams coordinator who ultimately might have the biggest say in which of those three sticks yeah that's a very valid point you know at this point it's they haven't really developed as much as they would like, but again, Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, it's not like the Bears are in a bad position here at safety. But B, I want to go to over to you. Does your order change at all? A little bit. I actually have DeAndre Hall at second and DHC at three because how often do we see uh, DHC on the field on defense? I mean, he's like you said, he's on 46% of the special teams. Uh, but I think DeAndre Hall has the intangibles uh, that are going to make him a better safety than a DHC will long term because he's long and lengthy. We've seen him make an interception before when he was healthy, which hasn't been all that often. Uh, but he really just needs to get on the field and play and show his playmaking abilities because he was a ball hawk at uh, Northern Iowa. And I, it, he just needs to get out on the field. I think that's really all it takes for him. I think he's really got the intangibles to do it. It's just he he needs to get out there and he needs to show, uh, especially here in mini camp uh, and in training camp as well, I guess, uh, that he he deserves it. He's going to lose his spot here pretty soon. I think DHC and DeAndre Hall are pretty hot seats. So I've got more confidence in DeAndre Hall right now, but we'll see what happens, I guess. Man, it's hard to have confidence in Hall because he hasn't seen the field at all, really, uh, with those injuries. Nick, I want to go over to you. Hall, he's someone, he's I'm calling him a tweener. Uh, he, last year, they said he was transitioning from corner to safety. Again, he was on IR for the vast majority of last season, didn't get activated until December. Do you still see him as a safety right now in the Bears roster? He's officially listed as a DB, so personally, when I get to training camp in July, I'm going to kind of find uh, DeAndre Hall and kind of see where the Bears are lining him up. Yeah, that's interesting. I I can't give you a definitive answer where I see him. I think he plays better at corner. That's where he had that interception against Matthew Stafford two years ago now, I believe. But uh, he, yeah, I think um, in regards to who has like the hottest seat, it definitely would be him. Uh, when he was cleared to play on defense, um, it was for the 49ers game, he was cleared to play. Um, Deion Bush got in at safety. DeAndre Houston Carson got in at safety. And they even had Chris Brzezinski, who wasn't even at the team, was brought in play over DeAndre Hall. That's how much, I guess, maybe lack of confidence they have in him. And, of course, he was on IR for the majority of the season, so he had to take some time getting used to things. But still, he's not. he wasn't put into the lineup even when Adrian Amos went down with that hamstring injury. 
but I do think he does have the most upside out of all three of those guys. And Brandon, I was actually watching um, the tape. DeAndre Houston Carson got on the field in the Ravens game and a couple other games when he was coming off really? edges the blitz. And I was actually <laughs> surprised. I'm like, DeAndre Houston Carson getting playing time? What is yeah. going on here? But, yeah, he was coming in uh, when Vic Fangio loves to have his uh, nickel guys, his corners, a bunch of different blitzes, but they he would come in on that. So surprised to see that. But, yeah, DeAndre Hall, man, I want to see where he actually plays because I think he still has a lot of upside. Just can he stay healthy and can he show anything on the practice field? Yeah, good points there. So, guys, do you have anything else you want to add about either of these three safeties? For me, it's it's crazy that they've been here for two years, entering their third season, and there's still so many question marks surrounding all three of these players. Anything else to add? I was just going to say, it's funny that Nick brought up the 49ers game because that was the game that Tariq Cohen had his crazy punt return. And I just remember seeing DeAndre uh, Hall lumbering down, running next to uh, – um, Tariq Cohen on that return and he just did not look smooth running so I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> ankles hamstring I mean it's gonna happen it's gonna kind of put a little hitch in your step but all right guys let's go ahead and take a brief look at the what I'm gonna call the bottom slash bubble players here at safety uh, all three of which are currently undrafted free agents well they came in this offseason as undrafted free agents I want to make sure I come across clearly uh, the first one, you have John Franklin III, and if that name sounds familiar to you, it's, well, you might know him from the Netflix show, Last Chance You. Uh, he played quarterback and wide receiver in college for four different schools. Uh, there's a video during a private workout where he was clocked running a 4-1-9-40, and I didn't stutter. That's 4-1-9. If you don't believe me, definitely look it up. There's some videos on YouTube of it, but uh, Franklin III, he was signed from the Bears rookie minicamp as a defensive back, so a guy who played quarterback and wide receiver in college is signed as a defensive back. And I believe they're going to try him at safety. So I think it's going to be very hard to gauge what it, where, where he kind of stands at this position in the pro level. Then you have Nick Orr. Uh, he was a three-year starter at TCU. Uh, he was the first team, all big 12 and second team AP all big 12 last season. And then you have Tyron Holloway. Uh, I'm calling him a tweener. He's listed as a defensive back. Uh, some places have corners, some places have safety. So we'll see where he actually ends up in training camp. But for the sake of just dividing these players up today on the show. I'm putting him here at safety. Uh, he played corner in college for both Liberty and Western Illinois. 10 career interceptions, over 100 career tackles. Uh, a long shot to make the roster, but, I mean, all three of these guys are, like I said, bubble players. Uh, Kevin Tolliver, is he? I thought he's a corner, Brandon. Is he? I just I mean he was listed as DB, I think. He's, he's a corner. Gonna, he's gonna yeah. be a corner. Oh, okay. Yep. Never mind. Okay, you're good. <laughs> Moving on. So we have these three players uh, here. And I want to know, guys, out of these three players, uh, Franklin or Holloway, uh, who do you think has the best chance of making the roster and maybe uh, uproot one of these already more tenured backups that we just talked about? Again, we're not going to say this player is going to make the roster, but who has the best chance come training camp, at least in our minds? Nick, I want to go, go over to you and let you kick it off. I'm going to go with John Franklin just because he's an athlete. He's played already, like you said, quarterback. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it and receiver at four different colleges and you can mold them into what you want them to be not necessarily 
meaning that he's going to succeed at whatever the Bears decide, whether it's safety corner, whatever it is. But he he is an athlete, so you can just – he has that elite speed, that 4-1-9, that's ridiculous. That's something that you want to get a guy out on the field just to see, you know, him relish with that. But it's hard to say with these guys. We know so little about them. Um, I just actually started watching the Last Chance You series, so I kind of want to see what John Franklin's about, uh, his demeanor on the field, all that good stuff. But I'm going to go with John Franklin just because, again, he's just a pure athlete. You want to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I feel that. What about you, Chris? Anything different? I think the fun answer is uh, John Franklin, just because he was so prominent on that Last Chance You as you know a quarterback who was in the limelight. But uh, I think uh, Tyron Holloway is an interesting choice just because he did have that ball production in college. And that's something that we have talked about bear safeties lacking in years past. So maybe he could come in and be a, a dime safety or something like that and produce. But I, and I do think it's, it's probable that one of the, one of these bottom guys on the depth chart gets a chance to up uproot one of these uh, other three safeties just so they can have them for a little bit longer. And it's not such an uncertainty to have depth at the safety position. Right. What do you guys think? And Brandon, you can definitely take this question, but it just popped in my head out of these three. What if they kept the other safeties that have been on this roster now for a couple of seasons? Do you see a possibility that maybe one or two of these safeties or maybe defensive backs in general make the practice squad? Cause I'm sure it's going to be at least a couple, but maybe two safeties. What do you guys think? I think one, and I'm actually going to go with the, the third safety that no one's mentioned yet, Nick Orr. Uh, I mean, you let you read off his uh, accolades. I mean, first uh, first team All Big Twelve, uh, second team AP. Uh, he had sixty six total tackles, a fumble recovery, five pass defense, three interceptions. That kind of somewhat matches Eddie Jackson. I don't want to make that comparison uh, in its entirety, but just statistically, it's they're they're kind of similar. So I that's kind of why I have him making practice squad, uh, just because he is productive and he's got the accolades to go with it. Yeah, I mean, I like Orr as well. Based on what I've seen, he's a very sound tackler. Actually, he was second on the team last year with 66 tackles. So he's very productive, um, you know, and coming off the back end, going downhill, kind of being that thumper safety a little bit. But yeah, uh, we talked about that as well. But he also had nine interceptions for his career, which was the most amongst uh, active uh, what horn frogs. That's what they are down there in TCU. Yes. And seven of those interceptions came in the last two seasons. So who knows? Again, uh we, we can all come to agreement that DeAndre Hall, DeAndre Houston Carson, and Deion Bush have been very underwhelming to this point. So I think, you know, they talk about competition from the bottom to the top of this roster. So I think these three guys, pay attention to them in training camp. They start generating buzz, making plays, especially not just practices, but preseason games. They have a legitimate shot of maybe finding them uh, their long shots, but still a shot of perhaps making this Bears roster. All right, guys, any final thoughts about the safeties? in general, before we move on to corner. Let's move gonna, on to corner. There we go. That's what I like to hear. We're moving right along here. So, guys, that's going to do it for the safeties, and let's turn the tables about the to the cornerbacks. But first, I always have to put in a little timeout, a little plug. I want to remind you, the listeners, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's the best way to keep up with our show. We're going to be doing live recaps after most of the training camp practices. And, of course, all season long, we have our live post-game shows. So make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're at uh, almost 2,800, uh, somewhere in that ballpark. And I have a goal of 3,500 before week one. So definitely help us out if you can. 
All right, guys. So I just gave you a moment to catch your breath, which is good because we have that entire position left to preview. And let's just begin by discussing the presumably three starting corners, that being Prince of Mukamara, Kyle Fuller, and Bryce Callahan. And beginning with the Mukamara, which, by the way, it's his birthday. He's turning uh, 29 today. So he's still on the right side of 30 uh, for those keeping score at home. But uh, Prince, he came back to Chicago because he wants to put a ring on his finger. And he told the media a couple weeks back that he believes Mitch Trubisky is the guy to give him the best chance. And of course, he was really excited to keep working with Vic Fangio and his system. After performing well on his one-year deal, Amukamara earned a new contract that was worth uh, three years and $18 million and guaranteed. Last year, we talked about the seven passes defense. And he only gave up one touchdown overall. So, gentlemen, I want to know your thoughts on Prince's return, uh, what you expect out of him this season, and, uh, yeah, let's just start from there. I have some more, but let's just go. Let's do some baby steps. And, Brandon, I'll let you go ahead and kick things off. I I was really uh, struggling to figure out how to label Prince as far as what kind of corner he is because I had lockdown, and then I was like, well, he kind of tapered off by the end of the year. He starts getting grabby, starts getting these defensive holding calls because I think he's just getting worn down, kind of tired, I guess. Not, I mean, he had injuries a couple years prior to coming to Chicago, so maybe his endurance wasn't quite where it needed to be. And that's why he's getting grabby. So I, I didn't want to say lockdown, but, I mean, he was pretty tight, sealed on his receivers pretty well because, uh, like you said, he only gave up the one touchdown. And throughout the, the beginning portion of the season, I mean, he wasn't getting very many tackles because the ball wasn't being thrown his way. It was going to the other end. Uh, quarterbacks were picking on Kyle Fuller quite frequently. And then towards the end of the year, they figured out that we could kind of beat Prince Mukamara a little bit here because that's when he started averaging probably – four to six tackles in a game. Uh, so I, if he can increase his endurance some, I think that will eliminate some of the penalties that we see as uh, as the games goes on and the season goes on. All right, Nick, I know a lot of fans wanted the Bears to move on from Amul Kamara, find an upgrade. Are you okay that he's here? And if so, how does he make the second year in Chicago a successful one? Am I okay? I guess so, just because I don't know what the options were. Actually, um, I know they're looking at Butler from New England, and they were looking at some guys who just didn't work out. I think that would have been an upgrade over Prince, but I am okay with it. Um, there are definitely aspects where I think he can improve on, and uh, just watching the film, he definitely can be more physical when it comes to dealing with receivers. I was watching the Carolina game that we were actually at, and there was this one play where Funches, it was just a slant route, but completely just tosses uh, Mukamori to the ground wide open. Um, and just, I want him to be more productive in terms of getting his hand, uh, you know, just to defend passes or interceptions because last, uh, obviously, last, his last interception was in 2015. He had one. And in the past three years, he has 23 passes defended. Kyle Fuller had 22 just last season. So you want to see that aspect of his game improve because is he a serviceable corner? Yes. Is he a difference maker? I don't necessarily think so. But another year in Vic Fangio's defense, I think that'll be good for him. The same, you know, back end of the defense. You got Ajax and Amos and then Fuller on the opposite side. So that's good for um, Amukamara. But I don't think he's the I don't know if he's going to be in the future. Obviously, they signed him to a contract. He's not. I know he said he wants to be here because Trubisky can help win a championship. I don't know if Amukamura is the guy to help the Bears win a championship. Ooh, I'm sorry. It's his birthday, too. I don't want to sell. Like <laughs> I know. Just going at that's just Gosh, honestly what I think. That's just honestly what I think. Just watching the film of him. He's just not a difference maker for me. All right, Chris, what about you? What's your analysis of Amukamara now heading into his second training camp here in about a month for the Bears? I mean, I think you can always look at a guy's contract and tell how confident a team was that he can get the job done. And 
three years, $27 million, $18 million guaranteed, I believe is nothing to, nothing to scoff at. So obviously they're comfortable with him being the guy opposite Kyle Fuller. And there's a reason that Kyle Fuller was targeted so much early on. I mean, clearly teams don't feel as comfortable throwing towards uh um, Prince of Mukamara's side, like throughout the year last year, as Brandon mentioned, it did, it got a little more, uh, he got a little more attention as the season went on. And I think he had a, I was watching, I was rewatching the Eagles game and that was one of his poor games this season, but he's another, he's a guy who you can throw out there and yeah, he's not a superstar, but I think you can trust him. And that's big in the secondary. Well, I'm going to at least mention, I don't think any Bear had a good game against the Eagles. Yeah, that's true. That's very <laughs> no. true. Yeah, definitely nobody did. Uh, I think for me, Amukamara, something he did well last year uh, was limiting yards after the catch. I think he did a very fantastic job of, you know, he played a little bit more off ball. So, you know, he's going to let the catch happen in front of him, and then he's able to make the tackle. So like, we talked about that a lot, right, last season during the postgame shows. Like, it's so aggravating to watch Prince give up the catch. I mean, at least he makes the tackle, but he's always allowing those seven, those eight-yard gains. So for me, I think, Nick, you kind of alluded to it, just being a little bit more aggressive, trying to make a few more plays on the ball. He doesn't need to do it every time because he can stick to his strengths, but just taking a few more chances. He has two good safeties behind him, so he's allowed to take a few more of those chances. If he does, you're going to see those passes defense go up, that maybe he can get an interception here in Chicago. He had an assist on interception. I think it was uh, Eddie Jackson's where he kind of put this uh, fist in there, the pocket of the right receiver, and uh, did that. So more things like that would be pretty nice. But yeah, I think – Amukamara coming here. Uh, John Fox call him sticky because he can stick to his man. I think that's why he's retaining here. Another year in the system, another year to get more comfortable within it. I think it's be good for Mukamara because he's bounced around some teams and now he's kind of found a home here. So now he's comfortable. He knows the Bears believe in him. So hopefully he comes out here and plays with confidence next season. All right, guys, let's move on to Kyle Fuller. And we talked about him a little bit now, uh, just talking about Prince. Um, last year, transition tag, we know about that. But he earned himself a big payday, and Pace rewarded him with that four-year, $56 million contract. And to recap that strong season, he only allowed a passer rating of 69 when targeted, despite seeing the league most 119 targets. So for Fuller, last year you saw his confidence growing, trending in the right direction, especially in the second half of the season. Expecting some good things this year, at least personally from Kyle Fuller. But Nick, some fans, because there's always going to be some fans, they're worried. Now that he is paid, Fuller, maybe he'll have a regression. Is that valid or not? And why? Of course it's valid. I mean, obviously it was his contract. You want to see what he does. He's going to play out. But I think he honestly is a good player. And he showed that last season. Um, just rewatching what he was able to do and some of the th times that he was targeted. Remember that Ravens game? He was targeted three straight times. Three straight times the Ravens were denied in the end zone. He's a guy that gets picked on a lot, and I wonder if that's due to coverage. Maybe safety's going, uh, you know, help the other side with Prince Mukamura. So you have to target Kyle Fuller, but you're taking your chance because he is a guy that sticks to his receiver, quick to react, whether it's a short pass, and can really come up to make a big hit. And um, is it valid? Of course, but. We'll see how he ends up playing, um, you know, in this season. Chris, Kyle Fuller, I want to know your expectations this year. I expect him to uh, have follow up his last year with another good year. I think uh, you could you could hear when he was talking that he was building a good rapport with Vic Fangio, and I uh, I think they, you know, were a little more cohesive than they had been in past years last year. So I expect a a pretty big year. I mean, 
an argument could be made that he should have been in the Pro Bowl last year. So I don't think uh, if the Bears win as many games as I know fans think they're capable of, then he should at least be in the argument for uh, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pro Bowl, I mean, Kyle Fuller, if he can make that, talk about some redemption from him. I mean, from two years ago, not playing all the doubts last year. I mean, we had them. They were fair. They were valid. But, I mean, he silenced me, turned me into a believer, and I hope he can kind of continue that trend. I want to go over to Brandon. Kyle Fuller, he's been around the block. He's been here plenty. He knows this system. Uh, but what should he accomplish throughout training camp, in your opinion? Uh, do you think maybe it's time for him to take that leadership role a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think he needs to. I mean, uh, Matt Nagy was talking about how uh, there's all sorts of leaders on the defense, you know, but some of them need to be able to be be more vocal and talk a little bit more. Some lead by examples. You know, everyone's got their leadership style and you need to have one or two alphas. But as it's not a bad thing to have 11 guys be leaders either. Uh, kind of the way he put it sounded a little weird, but it made sense uh, at the time. Uh, but one thing I think he really needs to work on is being that more physical corner. We talked about how Prince is the guy who's, you know, typically jams at the line. And I really, really don't like how Fangio always, well, I don't want to say always, seems like more times than not, he's got Cal Four lined up about 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. And I understand about keeping everything in front of you, but at what point is there too much cushion? I think that if Cal Fuller can work on being that more physical guy at the line and keeping up with them once he has to turn around and chase them down the field, then he's going to take that next step to be a very top-tier corner in this league. And I think that's something he should definitely focus on. Yeah, and I just want to remind Bears fans just how hard Prince Mukamara and Kyle Fuller had it last year, right? All those defense offenses that you went up against with those huge wide receivers, whether it be a Mike Evans, an Antonio Brown, not huge, but huge in terms of production there. But just, you know, all Alshon Jeffrey, we had him as well, but just especially in the very beginning of the season, just so many great wide receivers, the ones up in Minnesota last year with Green Bay, I mean, Detroit's no slouch either in that regard with Marvin Jones Jr. and Golden Tate. So they had a very tough season last year in terms of the wide receivers that they had to go up against, and they only allowed one to eclipse 100 yards. So that's something that I just want to keep reminding people of because some people maybe are upset that they brought back the same exact secondary unit. I'm not. I'm high on it, and I believe that the continuity is going to help this defense. But, guys, moving on to Bryce Callahan, you know, he comes back. He signed a nearly uh, $2 million tender. Um, he's come a long way since joining the team as an undrafted rookie in 2015. Uh, and last year, he did only appear in 12 games. Um, but despite the fact he had a sack, six passes defense, and a forced fumble, and two interceptions. And he came in last year with zero career interceptions. So he got his first two a year ago. So like Bryce Callahan, he's someone when healthy. I think he's one of the better nickelbacks in the league. I mean, I mean, we saw it. Pro Football Focus has had him, you know, hyping him up off and on as well. But Bryce Callahan, we saw what he can do here last year in Chicago. But the problem is we haven't seen it enough. His durability and his availability are still like the big question marks. So, guys, I hate to assume anything. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Here, especially with the Bears, but how locked in do you think Callahan is to start the season at nickel? Um, and on top of that, can he earn himself a more stable contract here in Chicago? Chris, I want to begin with you. I've always been a really big fan of Bryce Callahan, actually, ever since the 2015 Packers Thanksgiving game when he kind of broke up the 
that last last ditch effort from Aaron Rodgers on fourth down. So he's kind of endeared himself to me. But I I think he's uh as you said, pro football focus is usually pretty uh high on him. I think he's one of the few corner or few nickel corners that have ranked, I think, with uh sub eighty um passer rating against the past few years. So I think uh, as long as he stays healthy, he's locked into that nickel spot. But as you mentioned, that's been a big issue for him is staying healthy and staying on the field. Nick, last year, you sorry, I'm losing my voice off and on today, but uh, last year I had Cravon LeBlanc winning the nickel spot, but you had Bryce Callahan. I want to know entering this season, what's your confidence level with him if he's able to stay healthy and just what should Bears fans expect from him uh, now in his, what, third year coming into it? Fourth, third, third. Third or fourth, whatever it is, third. I'm very confident. Chris says four, I'm going to go with Chris. I don't have the notes in front of me. I'm going to go yeah. with four. 20, yeah, it would be four. So, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very confident in Bryce Callahan. I think he's the best cover guy on the Bears, actually. And when he's healthy, that secondary becomes that much better with him. You see what happens when Craven LeBlanc gets in there. At times, he's beat in the slot, but... Bryce Callahan has a way of sticking with his guy, despite whether it's even he has to guard a tight end or, you know, one of those shifty slot receivers. He's really good at sticking with them. And even though he's a smaller guy, great at tackling in space. So I'm very confident in Bryce Callahan. And this this past season, he was at his most healthy, playing in 12 games, going from nine in 2016 and then uh, 2015 playing in nine games. So he has been getting healthier, being able to stay on the field longer. So that's exactly what the Bears need. I think, you know, being that the Bears brought him back, he's going to be that more much. He wants to earn himself this extended contract. So Bryce Callahan, I'm expecting him to ball out this season, to be completely honest. And I think, like I said, he's the best cover guy in the Bears. I like it. That's some bold predictions, but not, not terribly bold, but strong predictions nevertheless. So, yes, those are going to be our starters come week one. And I think we can all come to agreement on that, but we still need to familiarize ourselves and our listeners about the backups on this roster. We have Marcus Cooper, Kerryvon LeBlanc, Sheriff McManus, Jonathan Mincy, Michael Joseph, Doran Grant, Richard Font, and Kevin Tolliver II. And just like we did with the safeties, I think it's best that we begin with the players that are returning, that being Marcus Cooper, Craven LeBlanc, Sheriff McManus, and Doran Grant. Uh, Grant, he came to Chicago last September. You might not even heard his name uh, if you're not paying too, too close of attention because he was signed in September after being waived by the Jaguars, but he spent the entire season on the Bears' practice squad. But he is from The Ohio State University. And he proved enough last year, uh, at least during practices, to at least come back, get another invitation to come back, another shot at making this roster. So we'll see what happens. Sherrick McManus, I mean, we know him. He's the special teams captain in many ways. He's here, he's here by default. I don't expect to see him on the field too much unless it's in that uh, that secret but not-so-secret blitz package that Vic Fangio <laughs> likes to deploy with him. Then he got Craven LeBlanc, uh, who – well, two years ago, looked pretty well, but then Bryce Callahan kind of took over his spot. But I will mention that LeBlanc, uh, when Callahan was out for those five games, I thought he stepped in admirably and played very well in his own right. And then Marcus Cooper. I mean, do we need to talk about Marcus Cooper? I mean, yeah, we do. I mean, you're going to have that one play that fans are going to just have nightmares about forever, but he came back. The Bears released him. He, he re-signed to a much smaller contract, but Ryan Pace did say everyone, including Cooper, is coming back with a quote-unquote clean slate. So here we go, guys. Four guys. I want to know who you believe here maybe could make the roster and just what you like out of all of them. Um, but first, before we get there, I want to know who's your 
maybe let's go with the highest chance of being what I'm going to call a camp casualty and not making the team and being cut uh, at the end of training camp. Nick, let's go to you first. Oh, uh, that's t- I want to say Cooper just because I don't like him that much. But, I feel that. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a tough. I like. I think Craven LeBlanc makes it. I unfortunately think Cooper will end up making this. McManus. Uh, I'm gonna go with Dorian Grant only because again we haven't seen much of him and the guy those other guys have seen playing time at some point it's not like they're just sitting on the bench the entire game they do have value on special teams or have actually played in the secondary so if i had to go based off of what we've seen in the past and obviously grant not having as many opportunities i would say um i'm just gonna go with him uh but i want to i want to make a strong case for cooper as well just because of how bad he did play because Rewatching th- this entire season and the four games, he started the first four games. And I think the fifth game is where Mukamura came over and took over. The, he just looked lost and everyone's going through, you know, there's a bunch of free agents coming in, but he just looked out of place. And for that Steelers game, we all know, ended up, we all know what happened in that game, but the very first play of the game, you guys, Ben Roethlisberger throws a deep ball and Cooper's beat. He's caught watching a guy and uh, watching the curl and Bryant just misses the fingertip catch. That was just a little bit foreshadowing what was going to happen to Cooper later in that game. But a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, camp plays out, uh, coaches are seeing that he's just not able to get a uh, hold of what this defense wants to do. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut. Yeah, Cooper, he only has a dead cap of uh, 750000 anyway, so it won't even be you know that harsh for the Bears financially. Uh, but Brandon, over to you about Cooper. Obviously not popular with the fans for obvious reasons, but uh, what are your thoughts on the corner entering his second year, another year at the system? Um, that's all I have. Cooper? <laughs> have you ever, like when you were younger, had a toy that you were like really, really optimistic about? And then it was just such a disappointment for me. I don't know if I'm going to show my nature, but it was Beyblades. Like, I just thought it'd be so cool to be able to, to fight other kids' Beyblades, you know? And it was just kind of like, meh. And that, that's kind of my comparison to Marcus Cooper. You know, he showed so much promise uh, when he was in Arizona because he, he did pretty well uh, playing opposite of Patrick Peterson. And, you know, I, I remember I was kind of like, you know, yeah. I mean, he was getting picked on because quarterbacks didn't want to throw to Patrick Peterson. So they're naturally going to throw to him, and he, and he held his own. Uh, and then, like Nick said, he comes here to Chicago and looks lost. Uh, and for that reason, I definitely have him getting cut. I think he's in Vic Fangio's doghouse. And I think if Nagy goes to Fangio and goes, you know, what do you see out of him? What's your pass with him? I think Fangio's not going to have some uh, some not so nice words to say about Cooper. So I have him getting cut. All right, let's move on to Craven LeBlanc. And Chris, I'll address this over to you. Uh, I already mentioned he had his role diminished a little bit last season due to Bryce Callahan kind of solidifying himself as the slot corner. But uh, he's still entering his third year on the team. He was someone who was an undrafted free agent. We signed over from the Patriots practice squad. What's LeBlanc's role this season? Well, he's actually, um, he fills the role of blitzing off the edge a lot better than a Bryce Callahan, for instance. I think uh, in one of the articles I read about Callahan, he only had like four pressures uh, in total in, you know, all his years in, in a Bears uniform and, I can think of four pressures that Craven LeBlanc has off the top of my head. So he's good coming off that blitz. He did miss a blitz against the Eagles. So like you said, it was a bad game for everybody. Yes, it was. But uh, I think he um, he's really good depth if they do decide that Bryce Callahan is the, uh, is the starting nickel. He's good at that spot. I think he's sticky in coverage as well. Uh, in 2016, he filled in pretty admirable admirably all things considered uh 
playing the outside when there wasn't a whole lot of depth there at corner. So I think he's he'll he'll make the team for sure. I don't have much doubt about him making the team. What about you, Nick? What's your thoughts on LeBlanc? And real quick, uh, Chris, don't worry. I have a hard time seeing admirably as well. It's one of my <laughs> one of my words I've been trying to practice with. But uh, go, Nick, I want to go to you, uh, LeBlanc. Thoughts? Uh, you know, he's a backup. That's what he is. I, I'd rather obviously see Callahan at that nickel spot. I just think he's a liability in run support. Um, I've seen plenty of games where either he's getting blocked down the field. And again, it was in that Eagles game where I actually saw one of the instances, but um, again, I've, I've seen him multiple times and coming up to, you know, stop runs. He's not the biggest guy. Neither is Bryce Callahan, but I think Callahan uh, uses his body better and can throw it at opposing players better than LeBlanc can. So He's a backup um, when he's in there. I do have my doubts. Like I said, like I've said this multiple times, a different podcast. I was at that Packers game where Rodgers ends up winning it in 2016 at the end there. LeBron, LeBlanc was in coverage on Jordy Nelson. It is Jordy Nelson, but that just put a sour taste in my mouth. I understand. Is it as sour as Marcus Cooper, though? No, no. That's, <laughs> that's like one of those Warhead candies. Those are really sour. It's, it's like a whole bag of Warhead candies at one time. <laughs> let's be honest. All right, so let's move on from those guys. Again, Sheriff McManus, he's a special teams guy. He was re-signed for the two-year deal. Don't really expect anything different from him there. So let's go ahead and move on to what I'm going to call, well, the new guys because they are new guys. And I'm going to run through them, give you a little bit of a background here. We have Jonathan Mincy. He's a 25-year-old. He comes to Chicago after two seasons in the CFL with Montreal. Uh, there he made 108 tackles, had three interceptions, 13 passes defense. And when he signed with the Bears, he said he came here despite getting other offers because he felt like he can stick on this roster. He's a very intriguing prospect, and he was considered one of the CFL's best corners. Then we have Michael Joseph. He was a Division Three standout from uh, Dubuque. Yes, that's how you pronounce it. Got it. Yeah. All right. And he was an All-American last season after putting up eight interceptions. He has 16 passes defense, and he was the team's fourth most productive tackler. He went undrafted, uh, but afterwards he had 15 different NFL teams reach out to him. He's known in a, he was known in college as a super humble and driven player. And a fun fact, he was only uh, 5'2", to compare, that's like Nick's height, as a freshman in high school. What is it? Five to two and a half. I'm five eight. Yeah, so okay. Six six inch difference. <laughs> uh huh. And then uh, now he's six one one ninety. So just to show like how much he's grown since his uh high, freshman year of high school. But yeah, Division three guy Michael Joseph from Dubuque. Then you have Richard Font, and he's someone. He's from my alma mater, Indiana, and he's well known down here in Bloomington. His sophomore season, he was second in the country with twenty two pass breakups. He repeated that in twenty seventeen, being second in the country again in PBUs with seventeen. Uh, he came back for his senior season uh, despite graduating already because he wanted to pursue a master's degree and go ahead and play for his senior year. He's all I use all-time leader in PBUs with 53 throughout his time here at Indiana. And he's a player who I've watched, and I can attest that he plays with great instincts, and he was known around here in Bloomington as a shutdown corner. Obviously, that's a kid I'm rooting for. Uh, for uh, obvious reasons. And then you have Kevin Teller for the second. He's a raw physical talent. Uh, he's on the team. He only had 18 starts at uh, LSU. But from what you see about him, he has so much talent, but he just hasn't been able to put it all together. Uh, he has the size you're looking for as well. He's 6'2", 200, and you want that in an outside corner. You know, a lot of fans, a lot of people, they're intrigued by his traits, um, but he has a history of some off-the-field issues, uh, lack of production, a little bit of concerns there, but still a low-risk, high-reward guy as an undrafted free agent. So, guys, 
looking at all of these young corners, who do you think has the best chance of making the practice squad and, dare I say, even maybe a roster spot? I know it's going to be tough, um, but you never know. There's usually surprises here or there. Uh, not sure if this is a spot for it, but, Nick, I'll go to you first. I'm going to go with Kevin Tolliver, obviously playing at LSU, and he wasn't as productive, but I think there's a lot of upside with him. And, yes, you mentioned those character issues, but if he wants to play in this league, no team's going to take – uh, whatever baggage he has and going to put up with it. So if he wants to be on a team now that's setting the culture right, he's going to have to go out and continue to make plays. And he has in this rookie mini camp. There were, you know, reporters have said that he's been productive. So I like that about him. And obviously when the Bears get into the pads, you'll get to see a little bit more of that where he can use that physical physicality and being at six foot two hundred ninety two pounds he can start to use his hands a little bit more to disrupt receivers um you know pass uh, on their routes so i like him i want to see what he's able to do if he's able to you know have his head on right that's basically i think the biggest issue with kevin so if he could do that we know he has a physical traits he was a five-star recruit out of high school so he's got the physical talent let's see if he can put it together Exactly. We'll see. I mean, they're hoping he would do it at LSU. Didn't quite come to fruition, but he's here. He's on an NFL roster for now. We'll see if he can make the most of that opportunity. B, I'm going to go over to you. Which one of these guys are you the highest on entering training camp? Uh, Jonathan Mincy, the guy out of the CFL. I, I watched some of his highlights yesterday. I mean, dude hits hard. He's similar to Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson, just the way that he hits. It's amazing to watch. Uh, I mean, he was an all-star in 2017 up there uh, for Montreal. Uh, he tackles well in space. He can he could play either the slot or uh, or the outside. Uh, more likely, the slot would be my guess because of his size. He's only five ten, and I think with some work, he can be a contributor in twenty nineteen. I don't know necessarily that he will be a contributor this year, uh, but if Mukamara struggles a little bit or Callahan or LeBlanc uh, in some sort of way, I hope it doesn't get down to that point. Uh, but I think Jonathan Mincy has a, has a future here in Chicago. Yeah, you know, Mincy, a guy who, of course, things don't go exactly how he wants to, having to go up there and play in the CFL, but gets a chance to come back into the NFL. He's here for a reason. He's here to make the most of the opportunity, try to pursue his dream just a little bit more. And I look at Mincy as someone taking, what, the Darrell Freeman approach, someone who goes to the CFL, kind of, you know, gets a little bit more tenured, gets a little bit more experience, can come to the NFL and put together a few decent seasons. Again, he's only 25 years old, so he still has a decent amount of football still ahead of him. So we'll see what uh, he can do coming out of the CFL. But Chris, over to you. It's your turn. Out of these guys, uh, who are you the highest on at training camp and who would you be kind of keeping your eye on just a little bit more? Just real quick to add to the um, Jonathan Mincy thing. Sure. I uh, see one of the CFL coaches in an article I read said that he was a really good press man corner. So obviously he's physical enough to uh, fit and, Vic Fangio scheme, but the guy that I'm looking for most likely to make the roster spot is Richard Fant because I think uh, a team can never have too many uh, slot corners, and I think he's sticky in coverage. Obviously, he has that the pass breakup production. I think he's fast. I think he ran a four four forty, and that's with a torn pectoral muscle that he was only about 50% healed from. So I think he's got the speed to stick with those shifty slot guys. Um, and I just think teams tend to keep a lot of slot guys with the way the NFL is moving and how there's, you know, a ton of plays and formations where you have five different receivers out there. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. So guys, anything else you want to mention about any of these corners, the whole, 
secondary as a whole before we kind of go down to my final segment, which are some big picture questions. And I also have some fun uh, superlatives to go as well. Let's get to the I want to add to the... I want to add to the Tolliver thing real fast as well. Something to, to keep in mind. I've read that he's had some struggles with his drive, like as far as wanting to go out there and wanting to be great. And I think that's ultimately, if the Bears put him on the practice squad, I think that might give him the swift kick in the butt that he needs. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I don't know that he makes the roster because of that. I mean, he needs to find a motivation somewhere. All right. Sounds good, guys. And like Nick said, let's go ahead and get to the final segment of our show. We've already been going for about an hour. And so, I mean, again, I mean, that was pretty good for doing both the corners and the safeties as well as a little bit of mini camp talk, but that was a ton of information. I hope you listening uh, enjoyed it, took some stock in it as well. I mean, that's a lot of players to sift through in one episode. So here we go. Let's go ahead and have a few fun and big picture questions to close out the show. So I'm going to go around the horn with you guys here for this first segment, and I'm going to ask you who's going to lead the secondary in this category, and you have to give me a name. So Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. Who is going to lead the secondary in tackles? Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos. All right. And let's go over to Chris now. Let's go ahead and I'm going to give you PBUs. Got to unmute it there. Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller. Do you want to put a number on it? I'm going to go. I think he gets an uptick this year. I'll go 24. All right, 24 PBUs for number 23. And let's go over to Nick. I'm going to give you interceptions. Who's going to lead this secondary with interceptions? That's easy. It's going to be Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson. All right, Nick, right back to you. Who's going to be targeted the most? Targeted the most? Um, Interesting. They, I think they saw what happened when you targeted Fuller. Things didn't work out, so maybe they'll go the other side with Prince Mukamura. All right, things will switch here in Nick's mind. Chris, right back to you. We're going to go backwards around the horn. What about peanut punches, otherwise known in the rest of the NFL as forced fumbles? Ooh, I'm going to go Amos. I think uh, he's he started to, you know, get a little bit better at that. And since he lacks the interception production, he's got to make up for it somewhere. So hopefully it'll be in the, the forced fumble category. All right. Sounds good to me. And then last but not least, Brandon, you have touchdowns. Uh, Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan. There we go. I like it. That's a good one. All right. And I'm glad he, I'm sure he enjoys if he's listening, like he's listening that he was just <laughs> mentioned here in this section. All right, guys. So throughout the show, you know, we talked about it off and on, but the bears, they have the same five guys and that's going to be a huge boost for this defense or at least it should be in theory. So can you maybe explain to our listeners some specific reasons why uh, the continuity should give even greater success now in 2018 for this secondary unit? Nick, I'm going to give this one to you. Yeah, so just having that continuity, you know who, what each person's supposed to do. They're each individual assignments, and you can trust each other. Whether it's, And where you need that chemistry the most is on those pick plays, where especially at the goal line. Okay, if this receiver is going, uh, you know, taking the slant the other inside receiver is going in the out you got to be able to communicate well and i think now with vic fangio's defense and these same core guys being back you know for their second year now that's going to play dividends in whether or not the bears are able to keep opposing teams out of the end zone or just be able to make some of those more of those turnovers happen but it's huge the continuity is huge especially on the back end of the defense where you need to have proper communication or things will not work yeah i think communication is like the number one thing that should be I mean, it was pretty decent last year, but it should just exponentially rise 
being with those players, practicing throughout with them throughout OTAs training camp again, just being on the field more, getting more reps. It's just gonna, it's gonna kind of be like a, you know a singular unit, move as one, rotate as one kind of things, and that's what I'm excited to see how this Bears secondary. All right, this next question is for all three of you guys. And I want to know who's going to be the MVB of the unit. And for Chris, I know you just got here in January. That's most valuable bear, just in case. And for our new listeners as well, I'm going to go to you now, Chris, though. MVB of the secondary? I think it's going to be, let's say, Eddie Jackson, just because uh, it is so important for the safeties to kind of direct traffic back there. So I think uh, he's going to be good, and he has a knack for being around the ball. So he'll be the most valuable bear back there. All right, Eddie Action Jackson is going to be Chris's MVB. What about Nick? You're scratching your beard, so I just have to go to you. Yeah, I'm scratching my beard. I'm going to go with Kyle Fuller being the longest tenured guy in the secondary. Um, he's, he's got something to prove now. He earned that contract. I want to see him be able to, you know, play up to that potential. And there was a lot of uh, pass breakups that should have been interceptions last season for Kyle Fuller. I want to see him make those pass breakups and interceptions. Just take, elevate that play from, even though it was great last year, even a little bit more this year. All right. And what about you, B? I'm going to hop on the Kyle Fuller train as well. Uh, even though I am the Adrian Amos uh, president, fan club, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I am going to go with Kyle Fuller. Uh, I think he does take that next step up. I, I really do have faith that he's going to do it. Awesome. Yeah, I think Fuller might be a strong MVB candidate because you can look at MVB for so many different ways, either being uh, the most productive on the field, someone if he goes on an injury, it's going to be the hardest to replace. There's so many variables, so many aspects you can look at it. I think Kyle Fuller fits the bill just for more than one. So for my, that reason, I'll give him uh, the MVB of the unit heading into training camp. Next up, I want us all to share a bold prediction for the secondary. And I originally didn't have this uh, kind of plan until I was looking at my notes from last year's show, Countdown to Camp, uh, for the secondary. And I checked out my bold prediction. And I didn't know this, but it came true. My bold prediction entering last season for the secondary was, quote, Kyle Fuller not only starts week one, but he's going to silence all of those who doubt him and have a strong 2017 season. I think we can all agree that happened. So for this, for that reason, we're going to do MVBs. I mean, MVBs, we just did that. We're going to do bold predictions again. And I'll go ahead and begin with mine. I believe the Bears defense is going to finish with 30 or more turnovers. And just to put it in comparison, they had 22 last season, so they have to find a way to get eight more turnovers. I think having so much continuity in the secondary and the defense in general, Vic Fangio staying a little bit more of an aggressive mentality, especially with the Roquan Smith, which we'll get to next week, roaming the middle of the field. I think the Bears can find a way to find eight more turnovers this season. So for me, the Bears are going to have 30-plus turnovers on defense. And let's go back to B. What's your bold prediction for the secondary? Uh, Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos always seem to find their way around the pile whenever there's a tackle being made. And that's where Adrian Amos got a lot of his forced fumbles last year was bringing guys down. He's in there trying to rip the ball. And I think that the safeties are going to lead the teams in forced fumbles. All right. I like that. Downhill, being aggressive. That's monster of the midway football. Chris. How about you? Got a bold prediction? All right. So everybody's been talking about how the offense needs to take this jump from like worst in the league to top in the league. Well, so does their uh, forced interceptions because they were number, let me look at check, 29 last year with eight interceptions. They are going to make the jump to top 10. And to be top 10, they need to get 16. So they need to double their amount of interceptions. I'm going to say they're going to do that. And Kyle Fuller leads the NFL in interceptions. 
Wow. Wow. That was Hold way to, to the next level. I don't even okay. know say mine anymore. <laughs> Darius, Darius play last year had, or sorry, in 2016 had two interceptions, but also was up there in pass breakups. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Kyle Fuller follows Darius Slay, uh, gets a little bit confident, uses the jug machine in the offseason, and leads the league. I like it. And I like the eight interceptions because I need eight turnovers to have my goal. So, I mean, that works there we go. So we're, we're in good shape. But, Nick, how about you? I know it's kind of hard to live up to Kyle Fuller leading the league in interceptions, but uh, what's your bold prediction, man? Yeah, so I mentioned the word foreshadowing earlier in the podcast, but uh, I'm going to go with Bryce Callahan plays in all 16 games, earns himself a contract extension, and does that by getting three interceptions uh, in the season. I think he's going to, like I said, I think he's going to ball out. I think he's going to have a really good uh, season. That's just going to help that secondary create those turnovers that Will needs to fulfill his bold prediction. There we go. I appreciate all the help, guys. All right, so the next question, I have a few. I know I usually only have like three, but I just had so much fun with these. I had to keep going with it. When we go to training camp come July, come August, out of all the players in the secondary, who would you like to meet the most and why? B? Adrian Amos. He's my guy. I've backed him since the day he was here. I mean, absolutely. I'm all, I'm all aboard for that as well. Nick, how about you? I think I want to meet Eddie Jackson. He's, I mean, obviously being a younger guy and having the swag that he does and being so productive in his first season, I think he'd be a cool guy to really talk to. Nice. Nice. I like it. And Chris, you? Just so I don't repeat, I'm going to say Kyle Fuller just to kind of pick his brain, see where he's at going into this year after earning a big contract. Can I give? Can I? Can I pick Ed? Can I do the coach? Sure. That works. Nice. Ed Donatello. That's who I like to meet. I think that'd be cool. But no, player-wise, mm, Bryce Callahan just be different. Number one. Number two. I think I met Eddie Jackson last year. I hate to be like I think I did because I just met so many players, talked to so many fans. But I have to go back and check the records. So I'm pretty sure I already met Eddie Jackson, which I think he's like on the third string, second string then. So maybe I need to meet someone else to kind of bump him up us on the team. We're not going to talk about all the players I meet that get cut, guys. So we're going to move on real fast. <laughs> and the last question of the entire show, we're going to fill in the blanks. Best case scenario, the Bears secondary will be blank. And worst case scenario, they are blank. Chris, go ahead. I think uh, best case scenario, they have, I'm going to say best case scenario, they have two pro bowlers in Eddie Jackson and... Kyle Fuller. And then I'm going to say worst case scenario is since so many of them have health issues that they're injured. I think that could be a big problem. I think with just about everybody we mentioned, they all have had injury issues in the past. So that's got to be the worst case scenario. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Man, the injury talk just kind of took the mood out, took the air out of the room just a little bit, but it's okay. It's fair. It's a valid point. No doubt about it. I want to go over to Brandon next. Best case, worst case, fill in the blanks. Uh, Best case scenario the Bears secondary is able to force all these interceptions that we've talked about with all these bold predictions. I don't necessarily they get there, but they are taking the right steps to get there and they capitalize on all their opportunities. But worst case is that they get no help from the pass rush and they're just kind of left out to dry because quarterbacks are going to have all day to throw in. It's tough for secondaries to stick with wide receivers that long. So worst case scenario, there's no pass rush to help. Okay. 
And Nick, last but not least, to close out the show, best case, worst case. Best case scenario, each one of those guys in the secondary is able to cause some kind of turnover with interceptions, forced fumbles, and you know just increase that turnover total that we've been asking for in Chicago. Worst case, they don't. And Prince of Mukamura doesn't create another turnover. These guys are not able to, again, take that next jump to really be a great defense. They were top 10. The secondary is going to be a big part of them being a top five or one of the better defenses in the league. Yeah, I mean, their goal, they say top five. So if they want to do it, creating turnovers is definitely have to be, you know, almost priority number one. Uh, I mean, that was Lovey Smith's mentality, right? Get the ball back for the offense. I mean, we need to do it here, especially if the offense is going to be as explosive, as dynamic as is being hyped up to be, even if they don't live up fully to those expectations, finding ways to give the offense the ball more. So last year when we just putting kept putting the defense on the field, on the field, on the field, we can find a way to reverse it. Expect good things to come here in Chicago, but that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you all who have watched or have listened, no matter where you are or even how you consume our show. Just know that we greatly appreciate you sharing your time with us. And if you like the show, don't forget to review us either on Facebook or Apple Podcasts as well. We're sitting at 208 reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And every time we reach a milestone, either in be the 50s or the 100s, we're going to do some small giveaways to kind of show you our appreciation for your support. So definitely leave us a review if you haven't yet. But we're going to be back next week. We're going to take a preview of the Bears linebackers, both inside and out. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.